The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I too decided, after investigating everything carefully from the very first, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Then he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. This Sunday has been instituted by Pope Francis as being known as Word of God Sunday. Uh, and you can see why he decided to give it this title, given the readings that we have today, which have this focus on uh, the importance of the proclamation of the Word of God. So you see here Jesus in the Gospel, you know, he goes up and he reads from the scroll, he reads from the, uh, from the Law and the Prophets, uh, and so, well, here from the prophets from Isaiah, and as he proclaims this, you know, everyone is, is just waiting to hear from him, you know, what's he going to say about this? What's, what's his sermon? What's his homily? What's he going to say about this uh, reading today? And he tells them that this word has been fulfilled in your hearing, uh, and it fills them with amazement and awe. Uh, not in, we don't see that line in today's reading, but it happens. Um, and then the first reading we see a similar situation with, uh, in the book of Nehemiah, where you have Nehemiah and Ezra who are coming forward and proclaiming the word of God, and the people are so moved by it that they are weeping. You know, they're so moved by hearing the scriptures that tears come down their faces. You know, it's, it's a real sense of this love and this passion for scripture. And it's funny because, you know, sometimes people think, you know, we're, we're at Mass, sometimes people might say, oh, Mass is too long, or, you know, the, the readings, it's funny, because even today, uh, second reading, there's two options. One of the options is a very short reading, which is just like a couple lines, versus what we got today, where we hear about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we hear about the many members of the body, how we all play different roles in the church. It's a very beautiful reading, there's so much to it, and yet sometimes uh, people will say, ah, you know, 
Can we just do the short reading? You know, I just want to get moving, just get on, get out of here. Meanwhile, in the book of Nehemiah, it says that they began reading the scriptures at dawn, at the beginning of the day, and they continued reading in front of all the people there all the way until afternoon. So just imagine that. You spend like a whole morning, all the day, you know, up until the afternoon, just listening to and reading the scriptures. Now, this, by the way, was not a normal thing. This wasn't something that they did all the time when they gathered together in worship. The reason why, and, and part of the reason why as well that they were so moved by it, is that up to that point, the people had lost the scriptures in many ways. They'd lost the law. They were not practicing the law of God. And so it had become to this point where the people had been so far removed from God, and then they found the scrolls. They found the word of God. And excitedly, they all joined together in the synagogue, and they said, look what we found. We finally found the law that we were supposed to be following, and that we haven't. And so they were so, so filled with joy, so excited to finally get to hear the word of God again, that they were like, let's just, let's just do it all day. And they were being reversed in understanding the scriptures. And then there was an explanation and a catechesis after a teaching on the word of God. And the people were moved to tears because they realized Having not known the law, they saw how sinful they were. They saw how far they had fallen away from the teaching of God and from their ancestors, and all of this had been lost. And so they were moved to tears. But then uh, Ezra tells them, you know, let's rejoice now and enter into a banquet and give joy and, and rejoice in being able to now we can follow the law. Now we can know how we are to be. You know, we can know how to serve God. Which, by the way, is kind of interesting seeing that all the way back then, how is it that they practiced in their synagogue? They would gather together. They would listen to the word. You know, they would bow down. They would worship. They would pray and sing songs. And then afterward, they would have a banquet. Well, what do we see happen at Mass? We gather together, we bow down in worship, we sing songs and hymns and psalms, and we read the scriptures, we hear the word of God, and then we have the banquet of the Lord's table, where we receive the Eucharist, the wedding feast of the Lamb, you know, a spiritual banquet, even greater. So this is all like, all this stuff is tied together, and the reason I'm, I'm pointing this out, and I think the reason why it's so important that we see this this Word of God Sunday is to, to kind of build in us this real love and passion for the Scriptures. Because they are what, they're what communicate to us the voice of God. I have sometimes people will come and say, you know, I pray and I pray and I don't hear God. He never speaks to me. You know, how do I know what God is saying? How can I hear the voice of God? It's right here. Every time we hear the word of God proclaimed, it is the word of God. We're not just saying that as like a fancy title. This is the voice of God. Anytime we pick up the scriptures, we can hear 
the very word of God. Every Sunday we hear it proclaimed. We're hearing the voice of God. If we come to daily mass, we hear the voice of God. If we read the scriptures on our own, we are reading the voice of God. And yet we, we often get so, you know, we're, we're so tied up with other things and lose the beauty and the passion, the love of the scriptures, the kind that moved the people to tears, that filled them with joy. And, and the only way we can really foster that kind of love is to really dig into it, honestly. I know that for myself, a big, a big turning point and shift in my faith was when I started becoming eager to look for resources, like Bible studies and other things of the sort, to learn about what's happening in the Bible. When I decided, I'm actually going to read this and started from Genesis and went all the way from beginning to end and read through the whole scriptures. Until I did that, it was, it, I didn't really have a sense, you know, it was more like, you know, we hear the scriptures, sometimes there's a nice positive word and you go, oh, that was nice, you know, might move you occasionally in the moment, but for the scriptures to really come alive, for it to really be meaningful to us, we have to understand it. It's one of the reasons why I try so much typically when I preach is to give some like context behind it, to give some understanding behind what happened, because especially for the Old Testament, the New Testament I find is a little easier for us naturally to understand. But even that, we can't get the full breadth and understanding of what's happening in the New Testament unless we understand the customs and the practices and the, and the history of the Old Testament, it frames for us an understanding of who God is and his story that he's been telling us throughout history. It's, it's our past. You look at, for example, right at the very beginning with Genesis, chapter one of the Bible, we hear how God creates the whole universe, does all, and actually now we've got the stained glass windows here, which depict the, the days of creation. And through this creation, he comes finally to creating mankind. He creates someone in his image and likeness, and this sets the tone for everything that's to come. Because almost immediately, Humanity sins against God and rejects him, chooses his own path. And that turning, and that, uh, that turning away and that failing, for anyone else, you know, any kind of like natural sense, we would look at that and say, well, this was a failed project, you know, give up on that. Humanity is terrible, you know, why bother? And yet God right at the very beginning, even though his, his, his creation failed right off the bat, he gives them a promise, a covenant, that he is going to restore them, that he is planning to turn around everything that they've done, the way, all the ways in which they failed, he is going to redeem and bring to a new creation. And all of that is told through the life of Jesus Christ. He comes into the world and undoes everything that Adam and Eve did at the beginning. 
But if we don't know that story, if we don't understand the context of what was going on, then Jesus dying on the cross and the, you know, all of his message and you know, him calling himself the bridegroom and all these other things like this, we look at that and we go, what does that mean? If we want to understand the word of God, we need to go back to the beginning and understand our roots. You know, even in the, uh, uh, I'm so, I get excited about this, but you know, even in, in the reading today, something we wouldn't be familiar with without knowing a bit of Jewish culture is that when Jesus goes up to speak, you know, he is, they're in a synagogue, which was like you've got different places of worship. There was only one place where they could offer sacrifice. That was the temple in Jerusalem. But in a synagogue would be like your local parish, right? It would be like the local parish versus like the Vatican. And you have your local church where people would come together to worship. And Jesus comes in. You'd have your, your typical people who would come up and they would read from the scroll. They'd be like your regular, they weren't all, they weren't all priests. You didn't necessarily have priests there. The priests were at the temple. That's a whole other thing. But they would, uh, they would, they would be the leaders there. And then Jesus comes in and he's traveling from synagogue to synagogue and preaching. And he walks in, takes the scroll, reads from it, and then they're expecting a homily, a, a sermon after the reading. And it says that Jesus sat down. Now for us, we're used to see me, I'm standing here, I'm standing before you to proclaim the word and to preach. But for them, what they had is they had a special seat that was called the seat of Moses. It was a seat of authority. And so the person who proclaimed would then sit down, and from there he would speak so that he could speak with authority, with the authority of Moses. That was the idea. So when Jesus sat down, all eyes are on him because they're waiting. What's he going to say? Because not only were they very excited to hear what he was going to preach, but the word that he just proclaimed, they knew. They knew and understood this prophecy about a Messiah who would come. A Messiah who would redeem them, who would proclaim this year of jubilee, a year of forgiveness. You know, after seven times seven years, so after 49 years, they would have a 50th year in which all debt was erased. So imagine your school debt, your, your, your house debt, your car debt, your, you know, whatever debt you have, however much money that is, that every, on the 50th year, gone. You get to start from scratch. What rejoicing and freedom there would be in that. And this reading says that the sign that this was all going to happen is someone would come, the Messiah would come, and he would proclaim liberty to captives. He would heal the blind. You know, the mute and the deaf. He would perform these miracles. And this is what Jesus had been doing. So here's the guy who's been doing all the things that the Messiah is supposed to do. He comes up, reads the reading, talking about the Messiah, talking about the fulfillment of this pro promise, sits down in the seat of authority. And I can imagine you could hear a pin drop. Everyone would just be waiting for him to say, it's me. <laughs> and he says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. 
And I, I, I just, I'm, I know this didn't happen, but I can imagine in their minds, they all just went, ah, you know, freaking out, all excited. This is him. He's finally here. So, you know, all of this is to say, you know, the more that we can come to love and appreciate the scriptures, the more it fills us with life. You know, there can be a revolution in our church here today, just like happened at the time of Nehemiah and Ezra, that they finally had a, had a, a renewal, a refinding of the word of God, and by reading it and understanding it, they started to know and hear the voice of God. They started to know what he was saying. And we can have that happen too. Some of it is being a little resourceful and just looking for Bible studies and other things like that that are happening. A lot of resources you can find online. I'm sure many of you are familiar with people like, say, Scott Hahn or Brant Petrie or John Bergsma or other scripture scholars out there who are producing continuous, really good studies, talking and explaining about all these different theological aspects and cultural aspects of the scripture so that we can understand it better. There's a lot of great stuff out there. Like I could even recommend to you, if, if you want, like just ask me afterward, I can give you all these resources because there's lots of stuff. One website I love, there's, well, there's the St. Paul Center, uh, which Scott Hahn started up. That's got a lot of great resources there. There's the um, Catholic Productions, uh, Dot com. That's got a lot of great resources there. Um, there's uh, Ascension Presents. Uh, Ascension Press, actually, they have a, if you haven't done this, I'm sure a lot of you heard about this because it was huge, but last year they did a Bible in the Year podcast. And they've actually renewed it this year, so they're starting it up again. Uh, not that you have to do it at the same time that they do it, but they start at the big January 1st, so they're 21 days behind, or 23 days behind now, I guess. Uh, but it's basically a every day, they do a podcast, it's on YouTube as well, but they do a podcast where uh, Father Mike Schmitz reads a section of the Bible. He goes from the beginning to the end. And he reads these excerpts one by one to get you through the whole of the scriptures in a year. It's a great idea, a great way. And in the best part is he gives a little explanation at the end. So for all of the things where we sometimes get confused, you know, he tries to kind of give a little bit of understanding to the situation. And as well to kind of demonstrate how, you know, sometimes we get stuck when we try to read the scriptures because we go, I don't understand this, or this is weird, or why would God do this? You know, there's different things that can become roadblocks for us. But some of it is just, just keep going. Just keep reading. Because we might find as we continue on, some of the answers come later on. They become revealed. And so until we become familiar with the story, uh, it's hard for us to understand the context of what's happening and what God is doing. And it's one of the most beautiful ways to pray. It's just to sit down with the Bible. Because if we can have a love for Scripture, we can have a love for God. Because it's, it's Him. You know, we often talk about, and rightly so, 
uh, 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 looking at the Eucharist, talking about when we come to the banquet table of the Lamb in the second half of the Mass, and as we come to receive the Word of God made flesh, and that's a beautiful and wonderful thing, but we shouldn't forget as well about the first half where we hear the Word of God proclaimed. The voice, sure, we receive the Eucharist into ourselves when we, we receive Jesus into ourselves when we receive the Eucharist, but we also receive him through our ears when we hear the word of God proclaimed. Are we listening, though? Are we excited and passionate and wondering and curious and attentive when we hear the word of God proclaimed? So that's basically my encouragement to you. That's all a a big way of saying, read the Bible. Be excited about the Bible. If you're not, get to know it more. uh, Because that will help, you know, build that encouragement. And like I said, if you want any of those resources, they're relatively easy to find. But you can talk to me afterward. I can, you can type it in on your phone or whatever and make sure that you have it on hand. Uh, But part of it is just beginning that journey yourself personally of, of getting more invested in understanding. Because I have to tell you, until I started learning, like once, once I started learning more about the Old Testament, understanding the context, it just, it changed everything. The whole scripture started coming alive more and there is something so exciting about seeing those connections, seeing the parallels, seeing how much how detailed the plan of God throughout all of history was. And it becomes something that's so undeniable for any naysayers who say like, oh, it's just a made-up story. Like, how do you have so much interwoven throughout history through so many writers, so many authors of various books that all of this came together in in such a manner, you know? It is... It's impossible to do for just human beings, right? But not so for God. Because he is telling us his story. He is telling us that love story that he has for us. And the more we know the scriptures, the more we love the scriptures, the more we know and love our God. 